in Forestville, California, and online at LuckyMojo.com. I'm your announcer, Dr. Jeremy, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Miss Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman Ali of ConjurmanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we will be uh, bringing you today's topic of real estate magic and the magic of buying and selling and renting your home from Marin Graves of MarinGraves.com in Grass Valley, California. They will take your calls and offer your advice to address ameliorate and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of voodoo, conjure, or root work as defined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual voodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who have signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and have called into the show, then you will be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first let's catch up with our co-hosts, Conjurman Ali and Miss Kat. How are you both doing today? Oh, just fine. Um, we were talking just briefly before the show started. Um, I think all of us here on the West Coast still have some smoke in our air, white skies, yellow skies, every once in a while a little sliver of blue if the wind changes direction. So we're all a little bit still under this unbreathable cloud. Um, But we are working very hard getting things ready for the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival. We just had a a little get-together Zoom chat with some of the um, people who have registered as well as some of the presenters, and it was wonderful getting to see some faces. People, I'd recognize their voice, and I'd see their face, and I'd say, wait a minute, I know who that is, and it would be. (laughs) So we had a nice time. And um, the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival is going to bring you a lot more than just the workshops. It will have quite a bit of sociability, just like the um, in-person Hoodoo Heritage Festivals have had. So take advantage of these little chats and things that um, Dr. Jeremy is organizing. And um, also, just to let everyone know where I'm at, I've been typesetting the flyers, um, which are uh, the lecture notes and the recipes for the various workshops. You know, when someone says, take this, 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 and this, we always write it down so that you can have the formula or recipe or order of operations to do the work and that's what these flyers will be so there will be videos and of course you can stop and pause them and play them at your leisure later but there will be a printed version of the text and that's my job and that's what i've been doing for the past month and 
In between doing that, I've been signing books like a crazy woman. Um, we have the books in um, The Guiding Light and Bottle Up and Go, of both of which I am a co-writer of. One is co-written with Mikhail Strabo, the deceased but not to be forgotten, wonderful author of many, many books on magic and uh, spirituality. And I'm so glad to be working on, you know, that and worked on that with him in spirit. It was It's a lovely book. So I'll be signing it because he can't. And then Bottle Up and Go is a book that I co-wrote with my colleague Lara Rivera. And I'll be teaching a workshop on that. That is container spells. And I've been signing these books and looking at them every, you know, about every fifth or sixth book. I flip through it and I go, do I like this book or not? I flip through it and I go, damn, I like this book. So it really is a, it really is going to be a cool book. <laughs> um, I predict, um, maybe I shouldn't predict. I never knew that Paper in My Shoe would be the big, giant hit it has become. Paper in My Shoe is the third best-selling book in the Lucky Mojo book company line. First is Hoodoo Urban Root Magic, and um, the second one is Art of Hoodoo Candle Magic. Um, the Paper in My Shoe I thought was just some little oddity, and nobody would care, but everybody loves that book. If you don't have it, you will love it. Uh, I, I'm convinced mm-hmm. now it's mm-hmm. as good as people say it is. But I'm looking at Bottle Up and Go in the same way. It's all about every kind of container spell, Bottles, jars, boxes, um, freezers, loaded oil lamps. Um, every type of container is given its own uh, little chapter. Loaded statuary, loaded candles. It's all in here. And there are sample spells. There's more than 100 spells. Uh, sample spells for each kind of container. So I, I'm kind of predicting that if you have not signed up for the Hoodoo uh, Heritage Festival, virtual, um, where you're going to get a, a copy of that book. If you got in the first batch of people who got the gift boxes as a uh, an add-on um, for the early registration, if you bought a ticket or are buying a ticket and you don't get the book, there will be a little excerpt um, flyer in the... Uh, package, you know, video package you get. It'll be a little PDF. But... What you might want to do is check out and buy that book, and you can order it now. We'll ship it. Uh, We've decided because we have orders coming in from people who want to attend the festival, didn't get the gift box, and now they're like, but I want the book by the time of the festival. And usually we release these books at the festival. But since um, this is all kind of a new uh, spread out due to COVID-19, we're going to start shipping those pre-ordered books um, immediately, um, starting on Monday. So you will have that book if you order Bottle Up and Go or The Guiding Light. Be, you know, you'll have it in time for the festival if you didn't get the gift box. Okay, did that make sense? <laughs> Can anyone, Ollie, did that make sense? Yes. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Okay. So, um, and they will be signed um, by me. Uh, because I always sign books when I sell them here. They're not going to go on sale at Amazon, though, until after the festival. That We're keeping to our original plan on that thing. So that's what's happening here. Lots of work. Um, and um, how about you, Ollie? What is going on with you? I know, you, I know what you're doing for the festival, because I typeset your wonderful flyer. As usual, everything you write is 
concise, orderly, well-reasoned. But what's up with you? <laughs> Thank you. Actually, I've been quite busy. I actually do want to say uh, Paper in My Shoes probably, I, I'm obviously biased, but it's one of my favorite books. Um, <laughs> and I recommend it to clients all the time because you would be surprised the number of people who get into Conjuring Hoodoo that really don't know anything about what a petition paper is. They really, like, right. it's, it, it's, a, it's a type of way of working or what, what do you mean a petition paper? Where do I put mm. my name? What color ink I use? And they don't right. understand that the petition paper isn't just a piece of paper with some writing on it. It's a talismanic thing that there's mm. ways of working with the petition paper that are whole spells all their own. So it is one of my favorite books because I think for it's an underrated aspect of voodoo um, and something that, is usually for us professionals, you can right away know if someone has kind of either grown up in the tradition or is familiar with the tradition is what they know about petition papers. Is when yeah. you mention it, it's like, ah, okay, this person is just starting, which is fine, of course. So it is one of my right. uh, absolute favorite uh, books. I've been, I've been really busy. It's been a sort of celebratory week, actually, for me. Um, I had a client early in summer who came to me with a love situation, who uh, just got a really bad breakup with an ex and was interested in reconciliation work. Um, and, but the problem was that you had repeated issues in her relationship. So we did a natal reading for her to see if there was something funky going on in her chart. And there was. Her, her um, Venus was in Scorpio. It was, it was afflicted. It was not a particularly good place for it. In the 12th house. So it, was a, it was a it was suffering a bit and not making particularly good aspects and whatnot. So we did this uh, love and crossing working with for her and reconciliation work, and I didn't hear from her. Just mm-hmm. kind of disappeared. This was back in like in in June, July ish, and then kind of never heard back. And then you know this mm-hmm. happens to us professionals, as you can attest, Kat, and so can Marin. And sometimes you just never hear back. I'm a client. You do, mm-hmm. you do the work or you do the reading. You never quite get feedback. Well, she just emailed me on Tuesday, and she's like, I've been meaning to email you for like a month now. We've gotten back together, and we're engaged. It was nice news, but it was also a bit like you couldn't have told me this a month ago. I've been here awaiting, did all this work, hoping to hear back. But congratulations to her. I'm very happy uh, that it all worked out. But it was one of those cases where it just, you did the work, and then I was like, I don't know if it succeeded or if I failed or what happened. Uh, But so it's been a good week. Good week, positive news all around. You know, I have that happen to me, too. Um, Every once, you know, because I keep uh, notes on my readings, and they're dated, and they're in a database. When someone calls in for a reading, all of their previous notes are either in paper on paper in manila folders like you might find in a doctor's or dentist's office. I can just pull the file. Or if they haven't had very many, we just print them out. But when they get to a certain number, better to keep it on paper. Well, these things, you know, a person hasn't called in four years or mm-hmm. five years. We don't even have the paper anymore. So we print it out again, and I they, they call up, and I say, well, it looks like the last time I read for you was in 2016. Mm-hmm. And she goes, she goes, Yes, I've been meaning to call you about that. Everything you said came true. And I'm like, okay, that was four years ago. What did I say? But luckily, I have my notes. And it'll say, like, man is no good. I mean, these are brief. You know, he's no good. Ditch him now or you will never find love. And she goes, you told me to ditch him or I'd never find love. And I've been married for three years and I have a two-year-old child. And I'm like, 
Oh, you could have called me and told me. <laughs> but it's funny. I get a lot of those people who, in, in, the longest has been someone who I had not talked to in 15 years. Oh, wow. And, yeah, I mean, I'm like, well, but I, my notes go back, you know what I mean? And she, she calls up and I said, well, it looks like you haven't called since 2005. And, and she's like, yes, but everything you said came true. And I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> That's good. She goes, so I haven't needed your help again till now. And I said, well, hey, if you only need my help every 15 years, we're, we're doing great. <laughs> yeah, we'll take that as a good sign. Well, it's better in some ways than having one of those, what I call dependent clients, you know, and this goes, you know, kind of goes to the, you know, concepts of, of healing and therapy, Mm -hmm. you know, um, if you, if you break your leg and you go to the doctor and the doctor, you know, sets the bones and everything Mm -hmm. is fine, you don't keep going back to that doctor. Your leg has been fixed. It's, it's healed. But many people, um, come to rely on the doctor as a crutch, you know, uh, especially if it has to do with the mind, and they, you know, they want to call you up and say, "Well, I'm still thinking these thoughts." Well, okay, then let's talk about maybe getting you some mental health therapy. But if, mm-hmm. but if it's if it's something that root work can heal many times, and you can you know this, it is healed. It's healed. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, and then, of course, what happens with some of those who are the more um, Dependent, I guess is the good word. They they then call another root worker. Well, I used to work with so and so, but I don't work with them no more. I used to work with so and so, so and so, and so and so, and so and so, and so and so, and now I'd like to try you. Those people. Yeah. So you're you're lucky. This this gal called you back. She told you everything was good. That's good news. It's nice to hear that when you've done something right. Right. Well, it, it is a bit I have not been doing any readings. I, I haven't been doing any readings lately. Um, I've been working only on the festival flyers and on the Mystic Tea Room. I'm just going to give a little shout out. I had a goal to have um, a, a vintage postcard or some picture of a tea room in every one of the 50 states by the time of the festival. And I'm now at, I think... Um, 29 out of the 50 states, and I've hired Wilson Logan, a Scottish programmer and coder, and he's uploading pictures that I've dumped on him in a big pile, and um, it's really looking good. It's it, We're going to make it. We're going to have our, our 50 states of tea rooms, and, and I just heard from, cool. uh, yeah, I just heard it from um, Papa G that he is going to do a photo tour of his um, teacup collection. These are the marked teacups that have astrology and cartomancy and various, you know, uh, numerology inside them. And this is part of our book, the book that he and I co-wrote, uh, which is called The Stranger in the Cup. And he's teaching that workshop. So he's going to make a whole photo tour, uh, you know, a video tour of his uh, cup collection. And y'all can just drool when you see it. There's already people in Facebook asking, where can I get these cups? Well, first see your bank account, then go to eBay. Okay, that's the answer. <laughs> but um, they are they are for sale, these ancient, beautiful marked cups, the earliest ones that we know about date to the 19th century. And they are rare, 
and very fragile because they're made of porcelain. But uh, you don't need them to you. You don't need a marked cup to do a tea leaf reading. And Gregory's going to teach you how to do it in a plain cup, which happens to be his favorite way. But he's going to show you some of the the history. So that's something really to look forward to. All right. Now, today we have our panel, and that means we get to say hello to Marin Graves. Hiya, Marin. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, everyone, and thank you for those out there in cyberland tuning in. Um, (laughs) I think that your last statement was just a perfect segue. You, You actually reminded me that I have about, I'd say, probably six or seven of those precious sought after divination teacups and they are all packaged nicely and I'm just envisioning how beautifully they will be displayed in my new home which is the topic <laughs> of today's discussion. Yeah. Well that's that's this is so wonderful. I wondered why you wanted to do a panel to talk on buying and selling and and uh, you know real estate. Mm-hmm. And um right before the show you explained it all. So I'm going to let you talk about that. But just before we start, I want to just throw a few ideas out on the history of real estate magic. Mm-hmm. So basically there are several parts to real estate magic. One is nailing down property so you cannot be kicked off of it. Another one is claiming property so that it will only be sold to you. Another one is nailing down property so that it will remain in your family, and that often uses ancestral dirt. Another one is um, making sure that the neighbors are okay (laughs) with you, you with them, Uh, sometimes boundary work. And, um, you know, because you don't want to sell if you can fix your neighbors, you know. And another one is people always ask, what about apartments? I mean, I know about about buying and selling real estate, but what about apartments? And so there is spell work for apartments. You're not going to stick railroad spikes in the floor of your apartment, but you can put a few little thumbtacks. So we're going to talk about all of these different methods, and um, including also the Catholic uh, patron saint of uh, carpenters, which is uh, St. Joseph, the worker, or the stepfather of Jesus, as I always call him. And he has a special place in the buying and selling of real estate among Catholic workers and also those who are not Catholic, but they go, hey, I know this works, so I'm going to do it, and it does work. So I'm going to turn this over to you, Marin. Um, Take it away. Okay. Well, thank you. I believe the last time that I was on, um, I think the new focus in my life was beekeeping, and that that kind of ties into this just a little bit because at the end of the segment today, I will have a little spell, which in in concept reminds me of a, a honeybee out foraging and beeline home. Um, but what's new in my world now is this home. And 25 years ago, when I met my husband, I was actually – on my way towards the coastline, I was planning on my move, and at that time, all of my family was here, my husband's family's here, and we decided to start our lives together, and I basically put on hold this dream that someday I'd be able to live by the sea. And for those that know me, I'm very lady-hearted. Mm-hmm. Art mermaid, I mean, you, it, it's just, 
it's been a long 40-something years on um, being, I call myself, a landlocked mermaid. And so <laughs> this, <laughs> I knew that this was going to be the year that my dream came true. And on New Year's, I did ritual. And what I knew and what I was told was that I would start looking on May 1st and that by October 1st, I would be moving into this ocean home. Well, many years ago, probably five, six years ago, I started the search, and I found the town. And then from there, I've been taking time, patient, did the ritual, and then COVID hit. So mm-hmm. it, it it changed everything because the mindset that we now see in buyers is so different than it was a year ago. I mean, there are fr- mm-hmm. people frantically fleeing Portland and San Francisco and and Seattle and so people are running from the cities into the hills and what was fascinating as all of this was happening is that I still started looking for the home on May 1st and it's it's a long story how this all came about but it was very very auspicious I mean I had a just a couple requirements the house had everything that I was looking for and Lo and behold, I am going to be closing escrow this Tuesday on the Equinox, and I am moving in October 1st, and it's just, it is a dream come true. But the reason why I decided to bring this topic up was not just my own independent experience, but I noticed a wave in callers. Most of the time, and I'm sure you both would agree, we tend to read on money, career, Mm -hmm. and love. And with a pandemic, that changed because now I was finding about 25% of my callers were calling about, I need to move. I've lost my job. I need to relocate. I'm scared to be living in this densely populated city. I want to flee. Or what I heard the most of, I can now work from home remotely. So that Mm -hmm. opens up the entire country. Where do I want to live? Where do I want to go? And so it was not my home purchase that didn't even start until May. This was starting in March and late March into April and the real onset of the pandemic and fear. I started getting a lot of calls. Little did I know that my life would follow suit as well. But I think that there are so many people right now that have been afraid to move, afraid to change. They they resist change. And some people that maybe if they were on their life path should have changed or should have relocated. And I find that those are the people that are getting kicked into gear. Those are the people right now that are maybe by no choice of their own or a loss of a job are being forced into downscaling and forced into recreating mm-hmm. their their home. So I know mm-hmm. that this is a theme, whether it's, buying or selling, whether it's that for financial means you've got to sell and now you're you're stuck in a very competitive rental market. But there's mm-hmm. so much and and then let me back up for just a second. Rather than approaching this just from the forced onset of change, there's a whole other very lucrative aspect of finances and investments and people with capitals and reserves wanting to invest in 
cities like San Francisco where for the first time you can buy a house for $500,000, which was unheard of up until mm-hmm. the pandemic. So mm-hmm. uh, you're just you're seeing so many different approaches to the real estate market and industry as a whole that whether you are needing to readjust, whether you're wanting to invest, it has become such a hot topic, and and I I obviously had the personal experience as well, but I think that there's a lot of people, there's hopefully a lot of listeners today that have been affected or are contemplating real estate or change, and it's I, I don't think that there's an end in sight right now. I still think that there's going to be a lot of shifts in this area as we mm-hmm. adapt with COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I'm i going to uh, jump in here with, with a couple of spells because um, uh, you are right. I mean, this is people are shifting. They they can work remotely from home. Now they're going, why, why am I living in this little tract home jammed up with these other people? Or they, they're going, why am I in this little apartment? I got the apartment because I needed to be in public transport near my office, but now I'm working remotely from home. Why, well, I could be in Utah, <laughs> right? Exactly. And so so things are changing. This is a major shift in the way we live. And um, it took this pandemic to do it, but now it's happening. And so let's talk about a few of the traditional spells. I mentioned St. Joseph, and I know that about two-thirds of the people listening to this show go, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, St. Joseph. And the Mm -hmm. other one-third are going, what did she say? (laughs) Who's St. Joseph? So I'm going to just tell you briefly that St. Joseph, or Joseph, uh, was a a carpenter. And when uh, the Virgin Mary uh, was found to be with child, and miraculously so, he decided that he would uh, take her on as a a wife. Uh, The Catholic Church holds that he never had sex with her. However, there are traditions in mm, pre-authoritarian Catholic traditions that say that he he did have um, children with Mary after Jesus. Jesus was just the firstborn. Mm -hmm. And strangely enough, in the Bible, it also gives his genealogy which uh, to prove that um, that Jesus is the descendant of King David on both Mary's side and Joseph's side, and if Joseph wasn't the dad, we don't know why they did that, but they did anyway. Um, so there's a little controversy as to what Joseph's role is among Christians, and that's why I just say he's the stepfather and leave it at that. So he was a carpenter, and he taught Jesus to be a carpenter, and so he became the patron saint of carpenters. But real estate agency as we now know it didn't exist back in those middle ages there weren't people who were real estate agents but soon enough as real estate buying and selling real estate became a thing st joseph became associated with it and the island of sicily which is off the coast of italy big triangular island um, has always considered that st joseph is their patron saint and for a number of reasons there was a big famine um, they prayed to St. Joseph. There was these big beans, fava beans, that made a crop, and so people didn't starve. They're, that's why they're called St. Joseph beans. His um, feast day, um, which I believe is, what, April 15th or something? Um, don't don't um, count on that. Someone look it up. Um, <laughs> people make bread in the form of carpenter's tools, um, little uh, 
you know, squares and saws and and hammers and things. And uh, there are prints uh, and paintings of um, of Joseph teaching little baby Jesus how to be a carpenter. So he became associated with this. And there is a tradition of what we call punishing the saints, and um, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. which in which you deprive them of something they like. And this is an old. Sicilian, oh, March 19th, I was completely wrong. Sorry about that, folks. March 19th is St. Joseph's Feast Day. Thank you, Shiva, for looking it up. Um, I'm not a good Catholic here, as you know. Never was. Um, so so um, uh, there, are, there are these um, uh, traditions of binding or limiting a, a saint's um, happiness until they come through for you. And with St. Joseph, this is a Sicilian tradition that you take a statue of St. Joseph and you bury it upside down mm-hmm. in your yard if you want to sell your home. And usually his face is said to is to face toward the east so he can see the rising sun, but he's head, head under, feet above. Then you have to make a promise when you do that. And the promise you have to give is, if my house sells, St. Joseph, I promise I will redeem you. And they usually say redeem, meaning I will dig you up. I will redeem you from this dark place where you have been put, and I will take you to my new home and place you in a high place of honor. But um, the little statue, you know, you dig it up after the house sells, you take it away, and you clean it. And usually the place of honor, unless you really are a very firm Catholic, the place of honor can be a high closet shelf in the back because you kept your word, it is a high place. But some people will put it up in the mantel place. Or um, if it had to stay in the ground a long time and got kind of dirty, they'll repaint it a little bit or clean it up somehow. So that is how you work with St. Joseph to sell a house. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. let's just pass this around. Marin, what's your next favorite spell? Yes, well, and on on piggybacking on that, I had a client once, and that was a suggested spell that I gave her, and she forgot to dig the statue back up. So imagine the embarrassment of her coming back after the sellers had moved in and her asking, "Um, can I dig up a a couple trees (laughs) from your backyard? Because really, I've got a statue I need to dig up. So that was kind of a learning lesson. So for those out there considering doing the St. Joseph burying, (laughs) Make sure yeah. you have that reminder to dig it back up. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Well, I have worked with several realtors, and I like to assist with the staging of a house and little things that you can do that are so camouflaged and simple, like something as innocent as hanging a potpourri sachet on the doorknob of the front door, which really we know it's not just a potpourri sachet. It's a money home blessing or it's an attraction, something that you can conceal in an organza bag that's going to be aromatic and you can hang it on that doorknob. And the reason why I'm suggesting that front door is because that's where there's going to be the movement of energy. And as you approach that home and the realtor is showing the home and you imagine that door opening and that whoosh, of of energy that you are placing in the process of opening that front door with something that's just as, as simple as a, a, a potpourri sachet hanging on that doorknob. So little things like that that you can stage in a home 
that is is magic. You're laying tricks. You're laying magic for the mm-hmm. perspective buyer to walk through. That's a good one. Ali, That's a good one. Take the take the reins. Yeah, I I got to say first of all, congratulations to you. Uh, it's always exciting to. You know, when you get that first house, so that's that's great, great news. I'm very happy for you. Um, and there, there's an old, old tradition of real estate magic within Hoodoo. It's not just about buying and selling property. It was the most reliable way in which uh, Black Americans were able to uh, save their wealth and preserve their wealth and invest their wealth. It was one of the few things that they were able to do by businesses and by land. And and we, I come from a place in Southern California where we have a very interesting history of this. Um, Manhattan Beach has a small portion of it called Bruce's Beach, and that land was actually originally bought by Charles and Willa Bruce, um, who were black business people, a black business family that had bought it and basically created an area in which uh, black Americans could come and. Just be safe at the beach. Unfortunately, it eventually got attacked by the KKK, you know, and there's a really twisted history there. But the buying of land and the selling of land is right there. And interestingly, I met uh, a woman when I was growing up. I was around maybe 17 or 18 years old who claimed to be the great-great-granddaughter of the root doctor that worked with Charles and Willa Bruce in order to help them get the property. This was a girl wow. named Sally King. Uh, and she claimed that her great-great-grandfather was a guy named Dr. King. I don't know his first name. And King wasn't like, uh, uh, was, isn't his, probably wasn't his last name. It was, she had taken it on later. The family had adopted it in order to remember it. But he, he didn't actually have a last name. Uh, it was just a title that he had, Dr. King. And he taught her. She wasn't a root doctor. She wasn't a, a professional conjure doctor in any way, shape, or form. She only knew this one trick. But she swore by it, and she called, she called it sugaring the land. And what you do is you get a little bit of dirt from a property that you're either trying to sell or that you're trying to buy. This is best done for a property that you want to buy, but you can adjust it. Uh, you get it, and you bring it back home. You place it in a bowl and mix it with a little bit of sugar and place a white candle into it, burning the white candle while you read First Samuel 25.6. And thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you, and peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. You burn it down over three days, repeating this verse. Once you're done on the third day, you take the uh, dirt that you've prayed over, put it into a piece of paper that you have written this verse out, fold it up, and bury it on the property. This will help the property to sell, or if it's a property that you want to buy, you go and bury it at that property, and it will be yours. So this is another way of working with petitions like Kat and I were talking about earlier. It's a very old-timey working of either buying or selling land, and it was done in Southern California to create one of the most famous uh, beaches, Bruce's Beach. Wow, that's a really good one. All right, I'm going to take a turn. Um, that is um, uh, that people think about St. Joseph for buying and selling, but um, he really, the tradition with him is really for selling. People say, can I use St. Joseph to buy? Can I work with St. Joseph to buy? What will I do with St. Joseph to buy land? He's not the primary saint of buying. The primary saint of buying land is Our Lady of Loretta, who uh, who, who is not really a... Um, 
a saint. It's an apparition of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Our Lady of Loretta was a um, uh, is a, is a tale that is told that after Jesus died, the Virgin Mary didn't want to stick around and stay in Jerusalem anymore. It just had bad memories for her, so she wanted to move, and she prayed to be able to move. And angels came, a whole flock of them, and they picked up the little house where she lived, and she sat on top of the house in her apparitional form, holding the baby Jesus, thinking of better times when he was just a baby. And they, the angels, had a map, and they had trumpets, and they had you know harps, and they flew with the house, and they flew her to the town of Loretto, Italy. And they, um, the, Loretto is spelled L-O-R-E-T-O. There are not two T's in Loretto, nor two R's. Um, and uh, so that little house, that little building still exists, and around it a, a great basilica was made, and you can go there, and there's mm-hmm. a little house that is claimed that was the Virgin Mary's house. The image on that, uh, the holy card for Our Lady of Loretto, and it's on the candles that many people make, including my company, shows the angels flying, looking down. I, I say there that you know one of them should have a have an iPhone and be looking at, at Google Earth or Google Street View and going, where are we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they have little maps, and so Our Lady of Loretto is called upon to get a new house. And all you need to do is just pray to her and just say, you know, as the angels found you a home, so will you help me please to find a home? Well, that's great. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Marin, your turn. Okay. Well, we've, we've spent some time talking about selling and, and uprooting. Um, I think a lot of this is really applied more towards the buyer or the seller, but I did want to touch on, if you don't mind, if we could seg- um, segue into this just a little bit, because I think there are listeners out there that aren't really looking to buy, but maybe they need to rent or they they want to draw mm-hmm. in a renter. And I think maybe we could take a couple more minutes talking about less permanent options for a renter. Um, in my tarot parlor downtown, it has beautiful older hardwood floors, and so as a tenant, I wanted to secure myself there, and I noticed that there were some comments in the chat, which was what made me think about this, but as somebody that is a renter, um, I put railroad um, square-cut nails. I'm, um, I know Lucky Mojo sells very large versions of the the nails or there are little smaller um i i believe you sell a packet of the smaller nails as well don't don't you miss that yes we sell we sell uh nine of what are called coffin nails we sell a set of four hand forged rosehead nails you know that are handmade we sell a lot of different and we sell of course the the giant uh seven and a half inch railroad spikes and yeah. some people will put them in a um Con, you know, concentric kind of squares, you know, building up to the edge of the property. Mm-hmm. Well, on on my physical home, I chose to use the very large nails, and, of course, I put a nail in each corner, four corners of my property, and then the fifth one in the center in the heart where my house actually is. But for a rental situation, we're assuming you've already moved in, this is your place, you want to be here, and if it's a temporary rental, 
then you can still place the nails. In my tarot parlor downtown that I was explaining, I actually have them in the four corners of my office space sitting upright in the corner. And what's really auspicious is if I come in and all of a sudden one day I see the the nail that has fallen down, which has happened a couple of times. And I've been there almost six, seven years now. So it's always something where in the back of my mind, if I see something like that, I will then go talk to my landlord and just make sure there's no changes, nothing to be. One time it was my parking spot that they were moving that I thought was kind of funny when when I went <laughs> and saw whether they, they actually physically relocated my parking spot. But that is a way that you can temporarily nail down and tack down your energy and hold this this place. And then when it was time mm-hmm. for me to relocate, I can remove them and, and then take them to my next place. So that is just something that I'm offering um, because I know that a lot of our discussion is going to be really more, it sounds like it's more about the buying or the selling where all of these, if we just adopt some slight modifications, can still be used for lesser permanent situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, one of the things that is an old, old hoodoo trick is to um, get five-finger grass and um, put a little bag of it in the house behind a picture frame or mirror when the front door is opened, you know, if there's a little entry hall or foyer or something like that. Um, you know, the kind of place where you might have like a coat rack and a you know umbrella stand or whatever, you know, a mirror where you're going to be, you know, just checking yourself and see that you look good before you step out the door. Mm-hmm. Behind that, you put the um, the little packet of five-finger grass, and that is to keep anyone from causing you to lose your rental space. Some people will also do that over the bed. They'll have a, if they have the kind of bed where you can put a picture over the head of the bed, they will put the little five-finger grass behind the bedstead or up on the mm-hmm. wall behind a picture. Yeah. I, I've been, uh, an old trick if you want to get an apartment that you really liked is uh, when you go in for the kind of physical tour of the place, take with you your foot track dirt that you've gathered mixed with compelling powder. And when you go in, you sprinkle very carefully. You don't want to show, you don't want the landlord to see you chucking dirt around, but very carefully you sprinkle a little bit of the foot track on the doorstep, like actually walking through, and somewhere in the house, in a corner somewhere, just a little bit, a pinch. This is to put your foot track actually into the home itself. And then, of course, dust any papers, take them home, dust any of the papers with uh, attraction, uh, home blessing, powders as well. Um, And that will get you whatever apartment you've set your sight on. Yeah, that's a, that reminds me also, a lot of people do talk about urinating on property that they want to either rent or buy, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. marking it. And um, that is, uh, you don't want to confuse the order in which you do those things. Don't urinate and then dig the dirt up that you urinated on and bring it home. It will not <laughs> smell. <laughs> um, but um, some people will do that and i've i've had people tell me they had really good luck um uh really good luck doing that and some people told me well you know somebody else outbid them and you know they 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 didn't get in in time but then you don't know what that other person did 
Um, that other person may have been urinating there before you did. You know, you don't know. Um, and so, but this is, and of course, people say, "Well, I'm a woman. How can I urinate?" Um, well, gals, just think about it. I'm sure you're clever enough to figure this thing out. Okay, you don't. You know, it's just like you don't need me to tell you on the radio how to urinate. Okay, um, guys, go. Well, I can whip it out. No, well, you know, gals, just do your thing. All right. So. Um, that is to keep other people from making a better bid than you on the property. Now, there's another um, thing that people will do when they want to have a property to be theirs, um, and that is to put a little bit of um, their own personal concerns, like their hair or fingernail clippings or something in the home. So if you're going to an empty home that's being shown, leave a little bit of something of you there wherever you can, where it won't be cleaned up when they vacuum the next time before showing it for someone else. Just put something of yourself there and say, I'm I'm coming back. I'm claiming this place for mine. Your fingernails will work well. If you mm-hmm. want to rent a place, um, cedar wood is used for renting and is used for home uh, ownership generally. There used to be a kind of mop called um, O-Cedar Mops. These were mops that uh, had cedar oil on them. And But you can do it with just um, essential oil of cedar. People will also use branches of cedar trees. And um, if you um, put some cedar oil on the doorknobs inside or maybe a little drop of it you know, in the living room, it, it kind of goes to what was being said before about a potpourri, but cedar is used and has been used to rent rooms. And so a person who has rooms in their home to rent would put cedar wood on the rooms they wanted to rent on the doorknobs. No, that's really good. Yeah. The cedar wood is an mm-hmm. old-timey one. If you go into a, if you go into an apartment uh, that you're doing a, a tour in, uh, and if you can be careful about it, like you can distract the person giving you the tour, uh, take one of the magnets off of the uh, refrigerator. A lot of times they'll show you a sort of furnished version or they'll show you a model version that's got it or they, they've got the refrigerator all that. Now, of course, if it's an unfurnished mm-hmm. apartment that doesn't have a refrigerator, this doesn't work for you. But if it is mm-hmm. one that has one and there's a little magnet on it or usually they're in the corner or the deck, take that and use that when you come home with some attraction oil. Set it up, place a petition paper. This apartment is now mine. You write it out fold it around that magnet and burn white candles that you've dressed with attraction oil. The magnet will draw you back to that apartment. It works wonders. It's a very simple working, um, but it does require an actual magnet to be there. So if it's there, not there, it doesn't pertain to you. But if you can get your hands on it, really, really good way of connecting you spiritually and energetically to that apartment of your choice. Okay, now i got to jump in because there's a, even a more a northern European old-school way of doing that. Uh, take a splinter out of the doorway or mm-hmm. the threshold. Nowadays, yeah. everything is all polished and it's got urethane coating on it, whatever. But in the old days, you know, it was just raw wood and wasn't painted. Mm-hmm. And you just took your little pocket knife and you just broke a splinter out of that. And that was your token of the house. Mm-hmm. Now you can do yep. this if there's an outbuilding still or something like that. You could take a little bit of it. It's similar to taking the dirt, but you're actually taking a piece of the building. Yep. And you can test it out too. Use your fingernail, right? As you, if you, if it could dig in, mm-hmm. you can easily mm-hmm. peel off a little piece of that wood. You'll know it's a mm-hmm. soft type of wood that you can do it. Just your fingernail, Spoke, just dig it in. Spoken like a man who's done it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, if I can comment on something, what I what I really think is important for somebody approaching buying, selling, renting, moving is that this isn't just the sole act of the buying, selling, renting, moving. It's an entire process from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And I think people tend to get so excited once they've crossed phase one, which is the buy or the sale, that they neglect to really see the sell through. And so I know mm-hmm. with all that enthusiasm, you just you, you, you close escrow, you're done. Well, you're really not because there still is, the personalization and the consecration of the house and that becoming yours or if you are leaving absolutely you want to be mindful of how you are uprooting your energy and removing your energy and taking that with you to your new home and so I I see more of the neglect of the finality and not seeing the sell through to its entirety for whatever reason because you know you just you get so busy you're closing escrow you're moving your mindset shifts, and so I think what would be most important is to, before things are going a million miles an hour, that you have the plan from start to finish, and that finish also includes the shift of that energy and how you either consecrate or you remove. And and that's something that we as root workers, we see the aftermath of that. We see mm-hmm. somebody that is calling us six months later, I'm in this new home, and oh my gosh, I there are spirits and energies and it's haunted and oh my gosh well did you ever consecrate did you ever cleanse something Mm -hmm. as simple as just buy yourself a bottle of chinese wash from lucky mojo at the bare minimum because it's just baffling to see where people focus their energy and and their magic whether they realize what they're really doing is magic in the process of creating Mm -hmm. this home we it is the the professionals are helping people with the later problems that surface from neglecting the the process and yeah mm-hmm. i think but over well over in well the chat said. in in the chat room we're having a little side talk um mm-hmm. about because you were talking about um uprooting yourself and leaving behind a clean campsite as it were spiritual clean campsite yeah. and i i brought up the broom Cousin Joshua piped in with the salt, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, he typed faster than I did. The broom, the salt, and the bread. Do not take an old broom with you to a new home. Never, never take that old broom to a new home. Do not take the old salt to a new home, and do not take the old bread to a new room. These are magical elements that should uh, either be used up there or remain there. On the way to your new home, purchase a new broom purchase new salt and purchase bread, or you can make your own bread when you get there. (laughs) The first meal that you should have at the new home after you've swept it clean with the broom, the new broom, (laughs) is the salt on the bread, right? You bake the bread or you bring in the bread and you put a little, just sprinkle a little salt on it, and everybody moving into that new house should eat the salt on the bread. And but you should first sweep clean. All right, just had to say that. And thank you, cousin Joshua. <laughs> oh, and uh, Nagashiva said, "What to do with them? Burn them? Leave them in a crossroads, bury an old spot? No, you just can leave them right there in the building. I mean, the bread you would eat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the salt you don't want to pour it out on plants because it'll kill them. 
Um, yep. But you know, you can you can uh, throw it at a crossroads on your way, and then the broom. I just you just leave it there and you turn it upside down. Thanks for mentioning it. In the question, Shiva. You turn the broom upside down, and um, that means you're gone. It's no longer your broom. Broom is upside down. Okay. Well, something that I can definitely definitely do in in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I had not heard that one before, Ms. Cat. Mm-hmm. All, always, always a, a walking encyclopedia of knowledge. You blow my mind. Well, you know this one about the about the broom and all. It's interesting because um, I l- first learned it through African American friends um, in various forms. You know, I mean, like some had mm-hmm. just the broom, some had just the salt, some had the broom, the salt, and the bread, you know. And then I began to uh, meet more um, Northern European people, and they had they had it too, especially the um, what's called malt and salt. If you read the book Trolldom, they have a whole thing with salt and grain. And, um, and I thought, this is an interesting combination of events you know it's it's one of those cult- cross cultural things but i think these got entangled among these cultures probably 200 or 300 years ago because they're all kind of found in black american culture but parts of them are found in european culture just mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. and dr sweets made a, a a comment in chat so grandmother died in the house, and you want to take grandmother to the new house. What would you do? Um, well, I'm assuming that there are no crematory that that there are no ashes, or that there's not anything that you are working with tangibly. Um, my my first thought is I always love to incorporate the energy of a deceased soul in a plant in a tree. I would have chosen to have planted a tree in a planter uh, upon her passing to where if I knew at some point in my life, or even if you don't know that you are going to move, you can always main, um, you can keep the energy of the loved one in that tree as it grows and then transport the tree to the new property, either leaving it in the planter or replacing in the ground. Um, but... Anytime somebody passes, I mean, this is not just pertaining to homes, but I like to plant something in their honor that can be later used in any way. I mean, you could harvest the leaves from a certain tree to incorporate in magic at a later time if you want to bring in their energy to use in root work. Like that, I, I just think that in my personal practice, anytime there is a birth or a passing, I always plant something, and that gives me I'm, – I'm preserving my future opportunity to work with the energy of that loved one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would, uh, I would say that any, any kind of plant – it doesn't have to be a tree either. Mm-hmm. It could be bulbs. Um, it could be anything that this person liked, a rose bush, whatever. Um, but you can, you can dig that up and take it along with you. And um, I have found that um, bulbs – uh, convey uh, such spirits rather well. And in fact, there's a particular bulb that is useful as all get out in this regard. It uh, it's called um, Naked Ladies. I know it's a funny name for it. 
um, otherwise known as resurrection lilies. And these things make bulbs as big as uh, your head or bigger. And um, they, they don't bloom usually for five years until after they've been transplanted. They, they have to kind of recuperate. And they will slowly spread and fill an area. If where you live you have planted naked ladies, uh, be sure to take some baby naked ladies along with you to the new place if you want to transfer the spirit of a loved one, especially if they were a naked lady. <laughs> well, and lilies are very connected with the, the symbolism of, of death. And bulbs, they just they reproduce, yeah. and you can share them with other family members and and spread the energy of that loved one through that. I Yes, I love the bolts idea. I have not thought of that. Yeah. Um, well, I it, I came upon it naturally because um, I, I, I dug up some bulbs. <laughs> and, uh, and along with them came a lot of very interesting energy and also a lot of little extra side bulbs that I didn't know were there. You know, I mean, it just, it, it's a kind of, they make little communities. It's very interesting. So, yeah, that, that works. Um, also, if you know roses, I'm just going to throw this out real quick. Roses often have names of people, uh, women particularly. Mm-hmm. And if you know the name of some rose, and you just look up in rose catalogs, a rose that's named for a person you love is always a good thing to have on your property. Just saying. Yeah, that's fantastic. Which reminds me, if you are moving, don't forget to take your herbs and plants with you. Uh, not just, you know, the stuff that you keep in jars, but the spirit plants that you're working with. If you can't, like mm-hmm. let's say there is a tree that you're not going to uproot because you're moving, but it's a tree you've worked with, it's always good to give a little small offering to the tree, thank them for the years that you've worked with them. I work with natural spirits a lot, and the spirit of the land in particular. Uh, the teacher who taught me, uh, Conjure Mama Jay, had some uh, Native American roots. Uh, and so we did a lot of work with, with spirits in that way. And one of the things she taught me is, Thank the trees that you worked with on your property uh, before you leave. Don't forget that uh, because it will leave the trees a little bit angry with you. So when I moved, it's one of the things. I had a lot of trees in my backyard, big, beautiful trees. Um, I went out and thanked each one of the trees, left a small offering for them of honey and water um, as a way of saying, I'm now moving. I thank you for the relationship of many years, and now I, I have to move somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, say goodbye to the trees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, I would say the same is true if there is running water. You also want yeah. to, yeah. Um, you know, uh, thank the running water. If you have a spring or a stream on your land or whatever, you want to say goodbye to it. You can also take a little bottle of that water with you and mm-hmm. say, I will always remember you, if that's how you feel about that place. All right. Well, this was fantastic. We went through a lot of spells, a lot of a lot of root work. Let's turn this over to Jeremy, and he's going to bring us on our client. Well, stay tuned. Milwaukee Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with your hosts, Miss Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, and this week's special guest, Marin Graves. We'll be right back. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Reader, Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. 
and by the Association of the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. And now it's time to go to the phones and bring in Canna92. Are you there? Canna92? Oh, yes, I am. Great. Well, uh, Canon92 writes in that um, she's never been on the show before or had a reading about this particular situation. A few years ago, law school, her law school suddenly closed and she was forced to move back in with her parents. She's looking uh, to move out so that she can focus on spiritual practices. Mm, she has to work in secret because they would not approve. Uh, can you please offer insight on when she might be able to move out and what in, which does she need to do in order to thrive and success? Succeed. Okay. All right. Well, Canon 92, um, may I ask a couple of questions before we get to the reading? Um, what is your sign of the zodiac? I am a Pisces sun. Sagittarius moon and a Pisces rising. Okay, so you're very mutable, right? Those mm-hmm. are all three mm-hmm. mutable, uh, very watery, and but a person who can adapt to change. So, um, uh, could you type that into the uh, chat, Shiva? I can't type at this moment because I'm doing other things. Yes, thank you. Pisces, Sagittarius moon, and Pisces rising. Um, now, uh, and about how old are you? I am 28. How much? 28, you said? Mm. 28, yes. <laughs> 28, the magic number. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, got to say something about 28. Marin hasn't been on this show in a couple of years. Um, we've discovered something, Ali and I. We have more callers who are going through their Saturn return than any other kind of caller. Yep. And yep. Um, it's it's become a joke, but but it's not funny to them. But we just go, oh my god, twenty eight. I'm twenty seven. I'm twenty eight. I'm twenty nine. Oh my god, you know. It's like um, this is so sad because what's happening to you is the Saturn return, and um, mm-hmm. it's really harsh. And so you've had to uh, take a step back from independence, go back in with your parents. All right, I'm going to turn this over to um, Ali for a reading, and then Marin will give a reading, and then I will give some root work advice, okay? All right, yeah, thank I you think so Kat, much. Thanks, Kat. I think Kat's right on the money here. First and foremost, for mutable signs in particular, the Saturn return just sucks, right? Mm-hmm. It's just you're dealing with, with Papa Saturn, and Papa Saturn is up. A friendly planet for mutables. It's about restriction. It's about uh, discipline. It's about dealing with the past. It's about um, you know old things. It's not it, it's for adaptable Pisces for expansive Sagittarius. It's just not a, a good experience, and so it can be quite rough. Just bear that in mind that when the Saturn return happens, it's unlikely. Um, that you'll move while it's going on. Now, that doesn't mean it's impossible, but it generally means that that is the obstacle that that you'll be dealing with uh, for quite some time. Uh, And the cards that I've pulled out here uh, reflect that. First, we have the Seven of Cups, and the Seven of Cups shows as a person who is looking at all the various options before them and are unable 
to see reality from illusion, unable to make the decisions that they need to make. And they're looking at all the good things, but sometimes they don't recognize that the good things that are before them can actually come with some harm. This is a person who's looking at these golden goblets, but these golden goblets also have amongst their gems and jewels and beautiful things, images of serpents and monsters and things that can harm. So being mindful, uh, being discerning is going to be very important and probably going to be the major lesson of your Saturn return to develop your abilities to discern between what is good for you and what is not good for you. As a Pisces, um, you do have some natural abilities, some natural intuitions, sharpening and honing that intuition is going to be very important for you going forward. I have here the Two of Swords as where you are right now. The Two of Swords is a woman who has been blindfolded, who has two swords crossing her. You are at a crossroads, but you're unable to see the path before you clearly. This tells us that you are going to be in this situation for a little bit. This is a, a more of a long-term situation than you may care for, but you will need to bide your time. You will need to be patient. You will need to understand that the future that you desire may be at the distant horizon. And you can't see it yet, but it will be there. And that sometimes you just have to learn to wait. And that can be very hard for that Sagittarius aspect of yours, right? Learning to be like, okay, I've got to sort of wait this out. Uh, the Taurian and Capricornian uh, ability to wait here is something that you can tap into. The next card is the star card. At some point, you need to consider some form of astrological reading just to make sure that weather-wise, everything is going good for you. Um, you should perform some form of ablutions and cleansing work, some type of magical work timed to astrology, uh, recognizing the right times for you. So if you were to do, for example, an astrological reading, take a look at, for example, where you are in your zodiacal releasing, take a look at where you are in your Fidrial period. These will all kind of tell you what you can expect coming out of your Saturn return, not just because the Saturn return is ending, but which sort of planetary and zodiacal period that you will be entering into. So the star card is about recognizing the astrological timing, timing your own magical work according to that, cleansing work, bathing work, all of that is going to be very important for you. And water is going to be an important element for you to work with. This makes sense, given that you are a Pisces there, a very strong element for any type of attraction and moving work, so bath, uh, any type of washes, all will be very good here. The final card gives us some hope here, and that is the Nine of Cups. From the Seven of Cups to the Nine of Cups, you will finally achieve what you want. You will get what you will desire, but it will take some time. I'm looking here at probably a process of a couple of years before you fully feel like you've got both feet planted on the ground and you are in a better and happier place. So that's what I see here. I'm going to turn this over to uh, Marin, who's going to do your next reading, and then Ms. Kat will give you some group work advice. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Well, hello. This is Marin, and I am working with the Rider Waite Tarot. And just for the sake of time, I did a very simple three-card draw, which has the focus being past, present, and future. And I'm going to tell you what those cards were, and then I'm going to just step back just a little bit and have a conversation with you about what I'm seeing. The past card that you received is judgment. The present card is strength reverse, which is just one of the most perfect cards representing your current situation. And then the future card that I see 
is the seven of pentacles. When I look at your situation, and actually I, I have a, a couple questions to clarify. You mentioned that you were forced to move back when law school closed. What are you currently doing right now for your career or studies? Right now, um, I've just been trying to work with my parents and make ends meet, so I'm actually doing testing for COVID-19. Wow. Okay. And do you still share the ambition to return to law school? Yes, I do. Okay. The reason why I ask that question is because I think what is most important when I address this is you ask, when is it that I can move? Because right now I'm forced to work in secret. The hurdle that I'm seeing for you is that your lifestyle and why I asked about are you going to continue with law school studies is because how I perceive you is that you will be somebody that is in more of the mainstream, in that public eye, whether you are an attorney or in some legal profession, you are going to be in the type of career field where you are going to have to work in secret. And so what they're showing me is that you're stuck in this strength reverse position. You're stuck because right now you're not feeling empowered. You aren't sure exactly how you approach life and career if you're if you're stuck by not being able to work out in the open. Part of your Saturn return is actually learning how to work in secret. And there are hundreds of years, generations before you, when that, that was the only option, that was the only way of working. And so fortunately we have a more modern accepting era, but because of the career field that you are going to be in, you are going to have to work in secret. And so your guides are basically saying, you got to figure this out. And as much as you may want that ideal situation and having your own sacred space, I get, I get that. I mean, we all desire that. But I think the fundamental lesson that you are being taught right now, whether you want to pay attention to that lesson or not, it's that you are learning how to work in secret so you can carry those teachings into your future career field, which isn't going to approve of magic in the public eye. And so you are stuck in this strength reverse position, and and it's a huge hurdle. And that's why I believe Kondraman Ali is picking up on such a long duration of how much longer. I was specifically getting May of of. 2022, which I know seems so daunting because that's a ways out there. But the good, and I when I read this, is that this is not a fixed timeline that you don't have control over. That's gosh, that I could have phrased that better. You have control over this timeline. This is a big part of your Saturn return, and it's defining who you're going to be. And if you can master how to work in secret now your future magic will be a breeze. They're they're cramming this lesson down you. They're forcing this. They're not going to let you move because the parameters that you are going to have to work around in the future are more representative of what your current situation is. It's not ideal. You're going to have judgment. You're going to have scrutiny. So you master your situation now, and you're going to be one hell of a magician 
in a couple years once given that freedom to relocate, return to law school, and embark on this new career path. That's why they're showing me this hurdle. If I look at that present card, which is the Seven of Pentacles, the imagery in the Rider Waite Tarot, Seven of Pentacles, is a man that has tended to this garden, and now he's taking pause, and he's stepping back, and he's looking at this garden and reflecting on what can I do differently? What do I want to revise, redo? Is it, is it perfect? It's a work in progress. And what I see for your future currently is that I'm still seeing this work in progress, which is not ideal. What your guides are trying to indicate is you buckle down, you learn how to work in secret, you learn the old traditions, and sometimes I, I, I feel like working in secret also has to do with you not having items out in the open. You can't light candles, you can't do this. But hundreds of years ago, they couldn't either, and magic, ma- magic was still very important and a very successful aspect of many people's lives. That's what you are being forced to adopt or learn. And if you master that, I don't believe that it's going to be a two-year plan. I believe that you master magic within the environment that is limiting. And I think your move is something that can happen a lot sooner. Um, the judgment card that I that I have for you in the past, I'm not paying as much attention. Maybe Miss Cat or Conjurman may have a little bit more insight that they'd like to share. That card for me, when I read that, I feel like that's just an indication to say, yep, you're on the right track. You found the career field for you. This is going to be in your future. I'm not spending too much time dwelling on that because I think that you've got a good grasp where you don't have as strong of a grasp on your life right now as it sounds like you're in an environment that doesn't suit you well. And I think that is many factors, not just in the fact that you can't have your own sacred space for magic, but you're a grown adult living back home with your parents that might not have the best uh, arrangement and, and freedom but the whole lesson in in this and in your question and your Saturn return, it's that you are learning yourself. You are learning who you are. You are learning what you are capable of in this compromised situation so you can really shine because this is what your future and what your career and aspects of who you are are going to require because you unfortunately aren't going to be somebody that can just shout this off of a mountaintop and throw magic out there for everyone to see, you're going to have these identities. And those I got to I got to break in, honey. I got to give the root work, and we're running out of time. Okay. Um, Go ahead. Uh, we, we, so we we have a, a, a rundown, and uh, we're we're past here. I think <laughs> I've got now one minute to give the root work. I think. Um, so here's what I'd like you to recommend to you, and I and I agree with um, Ali and Marin. Their diagnosis was very good. Because you're a Pisces, I'd like you to work with water, because Pisces and Sagittarius are ruled by Jupiter, and you're in the middle of a Saturn return. I would like you to work with either talismans of Jupiter or to work on a Thursday. I want you to um, find ways to create things that look like nothing but are magical objects which you can carry or wear. 
Um, for instance, uh, you can um, working with water would be bathing, and nobody cares. You just you can make up your own bath crystals. You can buy bath crystals if you can't buy them from a company like Lucky Mojo, just as an example. You can buy them and ask for them to be sent by discreet mail. But you can also just learn how to make your own bath crystals. Bathing will be very important for you. I also think that. Um, as a Sagittarius, candles and fire will be important for you. Well, this is a hard one if you're going to have to burn candles and, and where you're living now with the folks, they're not going to allow the candles. So you might want to think about tea lights, which burn very quickly, or birthday candles. You can burn a birthday candle and nobody will even know it. It'll be out very quickly. You can use um, uh, a birthday candle in any color and just light it. You can use a little oil on it if you want to. And that is something that many, many people have done. Just buy a box of white birthday candles. You can do magic with those. Um, so those are fire and water, which are your main elements. Um, I also would say that um, it's a good idea uh, to make yourself some sort of an amulet or talisman that you can carry with you, that you can touch, or to enchant some jewelry um, that you can wear. And because of who you are and the, the Pisces and Sagittarius, you might want to do some sort of uh, sanctification of the jewelry with water um, and also with fire by passing it over fire. Don't burn it. Um, but if you want to go the full four-element route, you can also use salt um, and, and put some salt or dirt, um, sacred dirt, on the um, jewelry, and also incense smoke. Those would be the four elements, earth, air, fire, and water, pray over it. But once you have that enchanted jewelry, and you can look up what are the stones of Pisces and stones of Sagittarius, see if you can get yourself a nice piece of jewelry, you would want to have a ring at least, maybe also a pendant, that you can, uh, if you have a pendant and a ring, you can touch the ring to the pendant, making a clicking noise, which will provide instant protection and power for you, depending on how you've empowered the jewelry. Okay? So I hope I was able to get all of that um, uh, done. And I still have one minute to ask for Marin to throw in some more ideas of um, of some more magic. Okay. Well, or Ali, because I, my, my suggestion is that any spell, any, any recipe that you see, that you're approaching it, and if necessary, modifying it to blend in with the world around you to conceal and camouflage because that's the working style that I'm seeing. And so Ms. Cat offered many suggestions, and, and that is just the approach that, that I would suggest in any of your root work working. Yeah. Ali, do you have I'm going to give you a couple of other ones then. Okay. Bath crystals, besides taking a bath, you can put a little bath crystals in the laundry of your uh, clothing, um, and um, put you know use something like power. Um, you want to have more prosperity. You want to go back to law school as well. So court case and King Solomon wisdom. King Solomon wisdom is pe for people who want to graduate with a degree. And of course, King Solomon was a judge. Okay. Phew. There's our music. Um, so uh, we're going to turn this over to Dr. Jeremy Weiss. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 
7 to 8. All times specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment with Marin Graves of MarinGraves.com in Grass Valley, California. Take it away, Marin. Thank you. And we are going to do a mojo, working mojo spell for real estate. The ingredients that you need are a mojo bag, either red or green, a mated pair of lodestones, gold magnetic sands, Anywhere from 20, 30, 40 magnets, little tiny magnets the size of a tic-tac. And then there are three different bases of ingredients, herbal ingredients. One will be the home sale. This is for the actual physical structure of the home, which is going to be lavender, basil, and rosemary. The lavender is for peace. The basil is for the financial prosperity in the home, and the rosemary is for protection. Then, to address the sale of the home, our herbal blend is cinnamon, sarsaparilla root, and thyme. That is for the the financial draw. For the actual transaction and sale in influencing that buyer, you will use John the Conqueror root, licorice root, and dandelion root. All of these items you can get from Lucky Mojo. If you wanted to work with ingredients you already have, you could use the Lucky Mojo Peaceful Home Blend, or you could use the Lucky Mojo Herb Blend. Nagashiva is going to put this in the chat, so there will be a record of all the ingredients. If you want to view that later, it will be easier visually as it's laid out. But what you are going to do is take that Mojo bag and add all of the dry ingredients. Then you are going to add one half of the lodestone into the mojo bag, sprinkle it with a little bit of gold magnetic sand as you're feeding that mojo, and as you're talking to that mojo and telling this mojo that you're going to be drawing a buyer to this home. And then you can add maybe a dozen of those little magnets into the mojo bag. Now you're going to take the other half of that lodestone, the pair of that lodestone, and you are going to place it somewhere in your home. This is the home that you are selling. You're going to place it somewhere in that home, whether it's on the hearth in the heart of the home, if there's a metal railing outside, you want to place this on something, the refrigerator that was talked about earlier, you want to place the other half of this mojo somewhere on the physical structure. Now, here's where the magic happens. The magic happens when you leave your house and you take your mojo and you've been out grocery shopping, you're running your errands, and now it's time to return home. What you do is you open this mojo and you take out one of the little tiny magnets, the tic-tac-sized magnets, and you place it somewhere when you've just completed that errand and now you're going to return home. So maybe it's on a grocery cart. Maybe it's on a a parking sign. Somewhere where it's a magnetic surface, you're going to place this. 
Then you're going to get in your car as you are in that contemplative magnetic, ma- magnetic, magnetic and and meditative frame of mind, and you are driving home imagining a buyer behind you, following you back to your home. And you're driving home, driving home, envisioning this vortex, this pull of energy coming to your home. Once you've gotten home, you take that mag- that, that lodestone that's magnetized that you've placed in your home and you put it back into the mojo paired with its partner and you set it on the hearth or you set it somewhere sacred where you repeat this exercise again and again. What you are doing, and the importance of understanding this, is it's like you are planting magnetic ley lines where you are drawing and hoping that this prospective buyer intercepts and feels this magic and feels this pull. You're trying to draw a buyer to a home that is otherwise invisible. And some of these trickier homes that are harder to find that you don't just drive by on a main street this draws that energy. By doing this exercise again and again and again, every time you go out and you're shopping, your house has hit the market, you are trying to litter the entire city with these little magnets knowing that somebody's going to cross through this line, somebody's going to cross through this, and the energy is just drawing them back to your house. I've had... Many clients use this working successfully, and one of the questions that has come up before that people think of is, I could, I could do 20 magnets at once. I could go drive around and place one here and one here and one here and then drive home, but that's not a direct line back to your house. So be careful, and why I suggest only doing one at a time is that you want that precise Drive right back to your house where you are going to drive the energy of that prospective buyer back to your home. This That's is a fantastic spell. It's been wonderful. And as you, <laughs> this is as, real good. <laughs> thank you. As your mojo supply of the little miniature Tic Tacs size magnets, as those diminish, you can just grab a couple and, and put them back in there. That is not supposed to be a complex part of the working. That's just its function. And it's functional Mm -hmm. because you're putting these magnets in there and it's absorbing and containing the energy. It's it's like a, a, it's an offspring of the mother paired lodestone. And so all these little magnets you will replenish. And ideally, in, in a month's time, you'll have 50 of these magnets spread out throughout your local area and people just crossing through this energy and pulled to this home. So when that real estate listing hits their inbox and they look at this as they're driving to your house, they feel it. They feel the draw. They feel the pull, and they feel that they belong there. So mm-hmm. that's the wow. of the spell. I know we have a little time for commentary, so is there something you'd like to share? So well, cool. Well, I, I, I'm... I'm I think you said it all. Um, Really, that's a fantastic spell. And um, the only thing I would add possibly would be the use of a map on your altar. Um, I have found great success by taking a paper map or a printout and marking where where I am. And and you can even mark where you put those magnets on your map and draw lines to your house. And that means your your altar now be, is also part of the attraction. Your lodestone sits on that map. 
I like it. And yeah. I commented cool. earlier, Very I cool. said it kind of piggybacked on my beekeeping experience. I imagine mm-hmm. like a honeybee, once they've gotten the, the food, they beeline home. Like you yes, are they, they don't stop purposely. So this is yeah. purpose. All righty. Well, there's our music. So it's time for us to go. Um, let's turn this over to Jeremy. He's going to make a short announcement, and then I'm going to talk a little bit more about the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. Take it away, Jeremy. Well, thank you, Miss Cat and Conjurman Ali, and thank you, Marin Graves of MarinGraves.com in Grass Valley, California, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest will be Evan Lionheart of readingsbyevan.com in New Jersey, bringing us the topic of maintaining health spiritually. I'm your announcer, Dr. Jeremy White, joining you from Seattle. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in next week. Thanks, everybody, and it's time to turn this back over to Kat and Conjure Man Ali. All right. Well, we have a couple of minutes here to talk about the festival. I'm going to just give you a little rundown about what's going on at the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival. This year it is three days long, which kind of makes up for the fact that it's not in person. In fact, more than makes up for it. Um, if you thought you were going to buy a ticket and you missed it, now you're on the full three-day ticket price of $300. But, you know, the the... Good things come to those who act quickly, but you still have time to buy tickets. We're selling tickets right up to the day of the festival. So I'm going to run through what we've got. Um, On Friday, uh, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, we open with some religious uh, ideas. Miss Michael on altar hacks and tricks is going to be Friday. Reverend Tony will be doing prayer petition on Saturday, and Dr. Jeremy Weiss will be doing bibliomancy divination from the Bible on Sunday, and those are at 9.30 a.m. At 10.30 a.m., um, we're going to open our reading tents. At 11 on Friday, John St. Germain on dolls, Madam Nadia on hypnosis in hoodoo, and the Hoodoo of Black Herman with Stephen Dupree, which was going to be a, a visit with the late, great Black Herman. At um, 12 noon, reading tents all three days. At 2.30, uh, excuse me, 12.30, Richard Webster will do Contact Your Angels. I will do, on Saturday, Guiding Light to Power and Success. Papa G will do The Stranger in the Cup, How to Read Your Luck and Fate in the Tea Leaves. At 1.30, the reading tents open. At 2 o'clock, Ms. Robin on Friday with the Black Arts of Hoodoo. Uh, Miss Athena on Cross Yourself panel discussion at 2 with Deacon Millet, Mama E, Mama Virgie, and Evan Lionheart. And also at 2, Lady Muse, Magnetize, Manifest, and Master Your Success, and that's on Sunday. 3 o'clock, we're going to have reading tents again all three days. At 3.30, we're going to have Bottle Up and Go with uh, Lara Rivera's book that I co-wrote, and I'm going to be teaching the class. 3.30 on Saturday, Contraband Ollie on Skull Candles, and 3.30 on, excuse me, that was Saturday, 3.30 on Sunday, Dr. J. Alton West on Psychic Sex Magic. At 4.30, reading tents. And the last event will be at 5 o'clock, the virtual hospitality suite, all three days, followed by the reading tents, the last readings of the day at 6.30 p.m. So, 
that's it for the festival. I hope you all um, buy your tickets, come out, join us. Go to hoodooheritagefestival.com for all the details. All right, that's it. Good night. <laughs>